0: Hi there, friends and family. Welcome to the first episode of One with Luke Nielsen. Now, that title may sound a little strange. Hopefully, it makes a little more sense as we go through this episode. But, in all fairness, I'm not the best at naming things. That's why a lot of my stuff is just like, LukeNielsen.com or Luke Nielsen Media, because I figure if I'm using my name, then no one else really has rights to it, because there's a lot of stuff that exists now. Anyway, I want to start this new show as kind of a way to combine a lot of the different creative things that I do in one place. So there's the first little hint at the title, but... I'm very fortunate I have a varied background, been able to do a lot of different things and I have a lot of different interests and I've done videos and written different things and had an opportunity to do a lot of different creative pieces and I wanted to kind of create a show that we'll do with video and audio that combines a lot of those things. It's always going to be focused on positive messages, putting some good, some excitement, some enjoyment into the world. And that's kind of the foundation. With that, I was really thinking of two other shows when I wanted to create something of a show with some different segments. And the two shows are oddly Kung Fu, the old David Carradine television show, and Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Now, Kung Fu was my thought because... My plan for this summer, really, for creative endeavors, I always like to have some sort of creative project going, a larger creative project, and it was to sort of do some kung fu type of experiences. What I mean by that is in the old television show, Kane, the main character, roams the old American West and helps people in need through his kung fu skills. So I wouldn't exactly be helping people with kung fu skills, but I like the idea of roaming around, traveling, interacting with new people, and trying to help people with whatever gifts I have. And I was recently talking to my financial planner guy, and we were talking about retirement in the future and those sorts of things, and I'm a teacher, so what that looks like and when that might be, and those sorts of things, and college funds for the kids, and things like that, and sort of getting a picture of, well, what would you ultimately like to do when you retire from teaching, which I absolutely love my job, and I get to do a lot of other wonderful things, but my ideal picture isn't to live in a big fancy house or have a boat or things like that if i could just choose something it would uh, sort of be wandering around exploring my interests and using any interests and skills that i have to help other people and inspire other people and that's what made me think of kung fu and the last summer, and well, really, for the last, well, probably two years, one of my bigger projects has been writing a book, which was recently published. That's been great. And we're still, we're in kind of just picking up the marketing process of that. That's been a wonderful experience. But for a kind of new, large creative project, I want to do something like this where I'm interacting with other people and kind of just throwing a bunch of creative things together, things that inspire me and hopefully things that inspire other people. Now, with the COVID-19 pandemic, I'm not going to be doing a lot of traveling around for the time being, interacting with people, but my hope is to get a bunch of interviews and things set up via the online modes of communication to still be doing that because I've done some podcast stuff. I do one with my brothers that's just for fun. And I had a while ago started doing a podcast where I was interviewing people. And that was one of my favorite things to do just sit down with people and have a meaningful conversation that we don't always get to have in normal conversation. So I would like to do some more of that. I kind of set that aside when the book thing really started taking off. And of course, I'm a father and work a regular job and those sorts of things. Uh, So that's something I want to pick up a little bit as well. So this show is going to be different segments, a lot of different things. Some of it hopefully will be thoughtful, emotional, some of it silly and funny. We're going to include writing and art and Uh, health, mental health, physical health, a lot of those sorts of things, but all focused on a positive message for people of all ages. And that's kind of what had me thinking of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood as well. I love Fred Rogers. I love Mr. Rogers. I love watching old clips from his show, old interviews from him. In school, every year I do at least... One, Mr. Rogers Day, which usually turns into a week in all my classes where we watch things about Mr. Rogers and talk about him because a lot of younger people now either don't know who Mr. Rogers is or certainly don't have the same connection if they haven't grown up with him. But I like to wear a cardigan, and I've got some great Mr. Rogers socks and some things like that. And Mr. Rogers... I think Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood is the greatest accomplishment in the history of television. A show that was talking directly to children and talking about their feelings and addressing their needs. So I think that's just a wonderful thing. And I was specifically thinking of two interviews that Mr. Rogers had given, and they were both interviews done with Charlie Rose, which I think is interesting to watch now because Charlie Rose, of course, later lost his show and was fired from the other morning news show that he was on after allegations of sexual harassment. And he's interviewing... Fred Rogers, who, by seemingly all accounts, really was as pure and pristine and kind-hearted as he appeared to be on his television show. But in those two interviews, one was in 1994, and Mr. Rogers talked about having Yo-Yo Ma, the cellist, on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And how children would write into him, or parents would write in, talking about how their children wanted to take up the cello. And Mr. Rogers said it was because they saw him loving what he did. And he gave another example of having a sculptor come into with a classroom with young children and not explaining how to do things with clay, but just working with clay and sculpting. And he said that year was the most creatively students had ever used clay because, again, they saw someone loving what they did without instruction, without being preached to. And Mr. Rogers said in that, attitudes are caught. They're not taught. I think that's such... An important thing in the classroom. I try to emulate that while I'm teaching that I just love what I do while I'm teaching and coaching. And that's kind of what this show is going to be about. A lot of random things that I really love and inspire me that I find helpful. And when I get a chance to interview other people, things that inspire and motivate them. And just sharing that with people, sharing our passions is such a powerful thing. And I always try to convey that message to my students and to my children. I think it's so important that anything we have inside, anything that's good, anything we're passionate about, that is there for a reason. And it's there for the express purpose of us chasing it and achieving it and putting it into the world because maybe we're the one person who's able to do that. The second thing Mr. Rogers said was in his 1997 interview with Charlie Rose. And Charlie Rose asked Fred Rogers how many kids he thought he had influenced or made feel special over his then 30 years in television. And Mr. Rogers said, I don't care how many, even if it's just one. That really is the biggest inspiration for the title of this show. And really for anything that I try to do in education, with writing a book, with putting out any of the media stuff that I do, is it's just the hope that maybe something we hit on will be the one thing one person needs to hear. And if anything makes one person's life even 1% better, it was a worthy endeavor. So that is sort of the preface. That's the premise of this show. It's going to be a lot of different things. Some of it emotional, some of it irreverent. But hopefully they're things that inspire people, people and are positive. With that, this episode is just going to be me doing a few different segments. And hopefully we'll get some interview episodes up and going soon. I want to incorporate the blog that I write into this show. I write a blog as a way to continually work on my writing craft. And it's sort of a a journal or a diary of sorts for me. I make a lot of little notes all the time, and then I try to work through my thoughts in the form of sort of a short essay, and I, I try to give myself a time frame that's fairly small for this writing. Obviously, something like writing a book is a much longer process with a lot of steps in it, a lot of revising, and I want these writings to be strong, but I try to limit myself with the amount of time, and I'm really for myself trying to be better about being more economical with my words, trying to make a strong point in a shorter amount of time with the blog. So it's really a writing exercise for me and a way for me to work through some thoughts that I've been having recently. So I'm going to incorporate those blog posts. I'll post them separately as just the blog if people wanna read them as just the text on my website but I will give the audio version here and we'll post the audio of all this as well so this week's blog post is called one can I live with this pain for one second I was hurting I was tired nauseous and weak my body ached it was difficult to eat much I felt like I was in a constant fog. It had been that way for some time, and there was no clear end in sight. The hardest part was feeling like I couldn't give my best to the people I love. I wasn't being the father, teacher, or man I wanted to be. If I had to live that way, I was certain I didn't want to live very long. Can I live with this pain for one second? Eventually... That's what I asked myself. I decided I could, and that made all the difference. That's when I realized the significance of one. The beauty and strength and grace in stripping things down to their simplest and most essential parts. It wasn't some epiphany that drifted down on a beam of light in an instant when the clouds parted. It was a notion realized and solidified over time but I have come to see it as the most powerful tool for overcoming challenges, finding success, and living with purpose. We can overcome challenges by breaking them down, and we can practice in little ways each day. I teach visual arts, and one of the earliest techniques I introduce is grid drawing. We use the process to learn realistic and accurate drawing. More importantly, we learn how to break down something that seems complex. Students are expected to select select reference images they find personally engaging and challenging. On the resource image, we set up grids composed of one inch by one inch squares. Some students doubt their abilities to recreate their images in an accurate manner. Then, I cover up everything but one square. I ask the students if they can draw what's in that little one inch by one inch box, and most believe they can. That's it. That's the power of one. The students draw larger versions of their grids on pieces of paper. Then we go square by square, mapping out the entire image. Accurately drawing a person's face, for instance, can seem daunting. There's a lot going on with a face but when we break it down, it's just a series of lines and shades. The entire image is a challenge, but we don't draw the whole picture all at once. That's how we overcome any obstacle. When I was struggling with those health issues, I was thinking about the possible years of pain. That was too much, but we only really live a moment at a time. I could look back and wish the health issues never started. I could look ahead and hope they wouldn't continue, but I could only exist in a single instant, whether I liked it or not. That's when I asked myself if I could live with the pain for one second. I knew I could because I already was. That gave me power in a situation that made me feel powerless. If I could push through one second... I could do the same for the next we conquer challenges by breaking them down to their simplest parts it's the same with success that's one of the reasons i love the weight room athletes come in with goals they want to get bigger stronger and faster that's not an easy thing to do either it's a process but the process works Growth is broken down into exercises, exercises are broken down into sets, sets are broken down into reps. We can only perform one rep at a time, but if we do the reps, we get stronger. It takes time, it's not flashy, but it works. Most success is like the weight room. We don't all have the same starting point. We all have strengths and weaknesses, advantages and disadvantages. But real success is growth. And growth is the product of simple actions repeated consistently over long periods of time. A book is written one word at a time. A symphony, one note at a time. A masterful painting is created one brush stroke at a time. And life is lived one moment at a time. All we have to do is live that moment. That's the key to peace in this life. Peace is different than happiness. Happiness is a reaction. Peace is a state of being. It can be hard to discover. We live in a complex and chaotic world. It's often difficult to find our place and know our purpose, but one can help with that too. Sometimes it can seem like our daily lives don't have meaning. I've felt that way on many occasions. Adult life is filled with routines and obligations, but we can find meaning by simplifying. We have to cut through the noise to find the things that really give us a sense of purpose. The most fulfilling and meaningful parts of my life stem from connections to others. It's being a father and a teacher, a brother and a son, a friend, a cousin, a teammate, Those relationships give me a sense of purpose, so I work to feed them. That means examining my role in each connection and whittling it down to one point of emphasis. For me, that's love. As a father, I figure my job is to love my kids. Parenting is a pretty wild gig, but it doesn't need to be any more complicated than that. I make a lot of mistakes, but I try to make every parental decision from a place of love. That can take shape in a lot of different ways, but that's the heart of the thing. It's the same with teaching and coaching. It's the same with any relationship. Nothing will be perfect, but if I'm acting from a place of love, I can at least feel some sense of peace. We all face challenges, but we can overcome them. We all want success, and we can find it. We all yearn for peace, and we can have it. It's a matter of one. It's stripping away the non-essential to reveal the truth. It's recognizing that we only exist in the current moment. It's enduring the pain for one second. It's taking one small step toward a dream. It's living in our purpose for this one moment. Then it's doing it all again. One might seem insignificant, but that's what makes it special. One is almost nothing. That makes it everything. So, there's my blog post for this week, and obviously relates to kind of the overall theme of this show, which is the idea that we can strip things down, really make them simple. I think as people, we have a tendency to overcomplicate things and whether it's dealing with challenges, working towards success, whatever our definition of success is, or finding real purpose and meaning and a sense of peace in life. I've really found it important to simplify things down. And I really did have that thought when I was battling a lot of unexpected health issues several years ago. And those health issues lasted for a few years, and it was a long thing. And that's something I've written about and talked about before and don't need to focus on here. But Sometimes we feel like we get these epiphanies in these dark or challenging moments, and that was sort of an epiphany for me. It wasn't an instant, it wasn't a eureka moment where the light bulb switched on, but it was something that came to me over time that I really felt the way to get through it in those most challenging times was to just simplify everything to strip away all the non-essential elements and focus on getting through the moment when I was in real periods of pain and then focusing on what I thought was really important and what I really wanted to do. And it was that time period that really led to a lot of these other creative things that I've done because interacting with and connecting with people and trying to share a positive message is something that's very meaningful to me and that came from cutting away all the other nonsense. The other thing with that is I just I want other people to understand that all it really takes is one. All it really takes is that one step toward Whatever goal you have, all it takes is one little activity and then one leads to two. And then eventually you have a habit, you have a pattern, and that's how it works. I was thinking about that with my book that recently came out. Writing a book is a long endeavor, but you only write the one word at a time. So it's just setting aside a little time, getting there were days where I maybe only got a paragraph written because it wasn't going the way that I wanted, and I kept redoing things where I would write a long section and have to go back and fix things. But it's just doing a little bit every time. I got something from, I've been doing a lot of master classes, which I have no affiliation with Master class, but my unsolicited shout out to Master class, While we've been in quarantine and schools have been shut down, we've been doing things remotely, but I haven't been hands-on coaching and doing a lot of those things I normally do. I've had more time. So I, amongst other things, signed up for masterclass, and I've been taking a lot of masterclasses with all sorts of people, writers and comedians and things, always trying to learn something. And something that I took from David Mamet's masterclass class. As he said, do one thing every day for your art and one thing every day for your business. Well, that's wonderful advice that ties into what we're talking about here. That So I, I try to do that. I try to every day do one thing for my art. Write something, draw something, work on a project like this. Just one thing. There's some days where I'm busy and I don't have as much time, but I make sure. Or I try to. There's some times I miss it, but... I try to do one thing every day, and then that was a big thing for me, was one thing for my business. Now it's promoting a book and doing something like that. So I try to do it every day, send out an email, make a contact with somebody, something simple like that. And the important thing to remember is it doesn't all need to work out. Every endeavor we pursue doesn't need to work out. I sent my book To a lot of different publishers. And got a lot of no's. And for good reason. There was a lot of work that needed to be done on it. And I needed to. Be better. I needed to fix a lot of things. I needed to be a stronger writer. And. All I needed was one. I needed one publisher. One right fit. To make it happen. And it's that way with everything. Just need one thing to land, one little glimmer of hope, one success, and that leads to more. So that's my blog for this week, and that's a little discussion on that. But now we're gonna to switch to a new segment, and I wanted to I wanted to focus on this idea of one for the first episode, but I also wanted to I didn't want to get too heavy. I think that sometimes when I just do a blog post and maybe I just read that or some of the other videos and things I've done. Sometimes they can get a bit heavy. And that's because I want to talk about serious things and meaningful things. But I think that only captures maybe a part of my personality where I think a big part of me is just really an exuberance and love for most things in life. And I wanted this show to not only talk about serious issues, but to also be fun and enjoyable because that is life. Life is this serious endeavor and it is challenging and sometimes it can be overwhelming and that's okay, but it's also absurd and silly and amusing, so I wanted to address that as well. So another segment we're going to be doing at different times, I'm just calling adventuring Because that's what I usually call it with my kids when we go out and do things. And I'm lucky my children are young. They're eight and nine years old. But we travel together a lot and do a lot of different things and have a lot of different experiences. And we call it adventuring because we're off in the world doing things. And that's a very important part of a healthy lifestyle, which will be one of the areas of focus of this show. It's great for our mental health and our physical health. So I was thinking about something to talk about adventuring. Have not been traveling and doing things lately because we've been locked down, but just doing things locally that we've been able to do because I have and my kids have a lot of hobbies. We've been staying busy doing a lot of different things, shooting arrows outside. And we live in the rural Midwest, so we have open space to do that. And we're very lucky that way. We, uh, my daughter got into rip sticking, which she's phenomenal at it, but she's been doing a lot of that. So my son and I got longboards, uh, long skateboards for cruising around. And we've been doing that a lot, a lot of longboarding and rip sticking and things like that to stay active. But I thought of What would be a fun story to share right now? I wanted something a little sillier. Excuse me, I'm going to get a drink of water. But I was kayaking yesterday. I'm filming this actually on Memorial Day Monday. I'll put this video out a little later in the week and we'll talk about some Memorial stuff, Memorial Day things in the next segment. But I was kayaking yesterday just went out by myself it was a nice warm afternoon it had rained in the morning but it was beautiful later in the day so i just quick took the kayak out in the small town where i live there is a small river right here in town go down throw the kayak in quick and spend some time on the water i really love kayaking again we're fortunate to have the space to be able to do that so my kids and i kayak a lot and I thought of a kayaking story. So this is when my youngest brother, Landon, and I must be two summers ago, I suppose. So coming up on two years ago, I think it was a little later in the summer. But we were going to kind of take a weekend trip. We, we live in, well, I live in North Iowa. My youngest brother lives in Wisconsin. So Landon and I were going to meet up in Minneapolis, St. Paul, in the Twin Cities, and we were going to go to a concert in St. Paul, the Basilica Block Party. I think it's in St. Paul, not Minneapolis, but up there. It was a great show, but we were going to meet up there, go to this concert, and then we're going to continue to northern Minnesota to go to Voyager's National Park. And if you ever have an opportunity to go to Voyagers National Park, I highly recommend it. I love national parks in general, but I especially like Voyagers. It's on the Minnesota-Canadian border, so it's a lot of water. And it's maybe not quite as... How do I put this? It's not as developed or... As commercialized is probably the right word. Not as commercialized as a lot of other national parks. I love going to a national park like the Badlands and Black Hills in South Dakota. Teddy Roosevelt National Park, North Dakota. Is They're wonderful. But it was really funny when we were going up to Voyagers. Because it really did turn into something of an adventure. First and this was just ill planning on my part, I had one small kayak, a one-person-sit-on-top kayak, not a real big-time kayak, just something to tool around in. And I thought, well, I wanted another kayak. My kids were getting a little bigger, and we could be kayaking together. So I'm like, I'm going to order another kayak before this trip we're going to take. And I did not plan nearly far enough ahead. So, I ordered a kayak online about, I don't know, a week or so ahead of time. And I was going to pick it up at a Walmart on the way up to meet my brother. We live right near the Minnesota border. So, I was going to go up through Austin, Minnesota, stop at the Walmart and pick up this kayak. So... I ordered this larger kayak that I thought would be better for us to pack our gear on and things like that. We'd have the two kayaks and and Voyagers, I knew you had to, depending on where you're staying, paddle out in the water to where we were going to stay. I had ahead of time reserved us a site there, but I should have done some more planning with the second kayak earlier, but I didn't. So I'd ordered this kayak. It was going to work out great, though. They were going to have it in on the day that I was going up. I was going to take off in the morning, pick up the kayak. We'd go up to the Twin Cities. Then the next day, continue our trip on to Voyagers. So I get to Walmart. It's great. They have the kayak there. I had gotten the message that, yep, we have it. I have my original kayak in the back of my pickup. I go into... Walmart, some lady there was very helpful. She helps wheel it out and thank you so much. I take it and I get it in the back of my truck. And the kayak was wrapped in a bunch of plastic wrap and strapped down. I thought, well, I'm going to just to make it situated in the back of the truck better with the other kayak. Two kayaks will fit pretty perfectly in the back of my truck i want to i'm going to unwrap this and i can put ratchet straps over both kayaks to make their make sure they're secure and luckily i decided to unwrap this thing because i'm cutting the plastic off and as i'm ripping the plastic off of this i notice there is a pretty sizable crack or puncture hole on the top of this kayak it's this It was a sit-on-top kayak with a fairly thick body that was sort of hollow so that it could really sustain some weight. And it was actually suitable for three people, I think. But it had this crack on the top. And my immediate thought was actually, meh, maybe that'll be fine as opposed to just, ooh, I don't want a hole in the kayak. My first thought was like, it's on the top. Should probably be okay, which why I didn't just uh, go into exchange it right then. But like, I keep ripping the plastic off, and then I get to the bottom of this kayak has a big cut through it as well. So something must have happened in the shipping of this kayak. Whatever, it's got two big holes in it, one on the bottom. This thing's not gonna float. So, I go back into the store, bring the kayak back in, and say, hey, yeah, sorry, so that kayak I just got, holes in it, it's not going to work. And it was fine, they refunded my money, but I had ordered this, it wasn't something that they had on hand. And that was kind of the first part of the adventure that could have been a frustrating moment. But at the time, I thought, and I thought, what a wonderful time we live in where I could order this thing online, go to pick it up, find a problem, and immediately they refunded my money onto my credit card and I went on my way. So I call my brother Landon, who was on his way up to St. Paul as well, and tell him, well, here's the deal. Uh, The kayak that I had ordered that's not going to work out. And of course, I needed a second kayak for this trip we were taking. But there was a Cabela's on the way up that I would be driving by anyway. I'm going to stop at this Cabela's Outdoor Outfitter, and I'm not leaving without a kayak. They have kayaks on hand, not a problem. So again, what a wonderful situation that I'm able to go to this Cabela's. I'm on my cell phone on this supercomputer that we carry in our pockets, and I'm looking up the specs of these different kayaks they have on hand and what I wanted to do with it and things like that. And I find kind of a fishing style kayak, a bigger kayak. It's a one person, but it's bigger flat bottom. So actually when we kayak now, My daughter will sit in there with me and has compartments to store gear in there. It was kind of a more outdoor adventure fishing type of kayak. Perfect. Great. That's actually probably better than the one that I had before. And you'll find in a lot of these adventuring segments that I don't necessarily... Put in the time to become real expert level at something before jumping into it. I kind of like the grip it and rip it approach. So I'm like, this would be great. Uh, Yeah, so that was wonderful. Was able to pick it up at Cabela's, had the kayak, up we go. So my brother and I do the concert. I don't know if it was a Friday night or whatever it was. We do that concert that night. And the next morning we head up to Voyagers National Park. Now, as I mentioned before, I love Voyagers National Park because it is less commercial and they seem to have a real hands off, just don't die approach. Because I had punched into the GPS where the kind of the office was, where the welcome center was for Voyagers, and I guess I was expecting something more along the lines of what I had seen at places like the Badlands, Black Hills, Teddy Roosevelt, those types of places where it's a big building with a lot of informational stuff on the inside. This was, and there's probably a bigger, I don't know, there might be some other bigger facility at Voyagers, but this one that I was supposed to go to to confirm my reservation and set off, Basically a cabin, this small little cabin. Normally at national parks, there's all this merchandise and stuff to buy. They, have, they had a rack of t-shirts and a few other things, but it's this little cabin type building. And one park ranger woman working there. So I went in, talked to her real quick and said, yeah, hi, I have a spot. You have to reserve a spot if you want to camp in one of the designated areas. I'm like, I've reserved this spot. And she's looked at her notes and, yep, got you right here. And she said, do you know what you're doing? I said, well, I think so. I, th- I have a vague idea. I, have a, I had a paper map of the water that we were going to be on and how far we had to paddle out to get to our camping area. So I said, yeah, more or less. And her advice was don't drink the water, which we had planned for. We had brought our own water. And make sure your food is in a bear box. They have these big metal boxes for, to keep bears out of your food because there's bears up there. And that was kind of a real like, oh, this is for real camping. And I like to camp and do things like that, but I was very lucky to have my brother Landon along. He is a forest technician and a wildland firefighter. He has spent a lot of time genuinely out in the woods, camp say camping, but working, staying, living there while he's doing things. So He's much more expert on that side of things than I am. So we were fairly well prepared with that in terms of food and water and things. And I'd follow his lead. But I loved it. Voyage was like, don't, don't drink the water. Put your food in a bear box. Have a good time. Try not to die. So it was kind of great with that. Even to the point where I was like, all right, well, they had a little parking lot there. I'm like where where should I park my truck? Where's the best place to put it while we're out there and camping? And she's like, I don't care, wherever. Just make sure it's not in the way. (laughs) Like, this, this place is awesome. And then the last thing, last bit of information she gave us before we took off was there is a severe weather watch and it looks like there might be some thunderstorms rolling in Early in the morning, you know, maybe a two, three in the morning type of thing. Going to be severe weather rolling in. Okay. Duly noted. That's the way it is, I guess. We're going to be essentially sleeping outdoors. My brother sleeps in a bivy sack, which is basically a sleeping bag that has a flap that you can throw over your head. He was accustomed to that from wildland firefighting. I have a little bivy tent which is just a one-person tent. It's shaped kind of like a like a mesh coffin where it's just sort of shaped around my body enough to keep bugs off and that sort of thing. But we're taking our backpacks and going out there. And Voyagers is great because it's like the for-real woods. It's not like... And maybe in other areas are, but there's not these trails and stuff cut like there are in a lot of other national parks. You just go out there and they have these designated areas to camp where there's a bear box and you can have a fire and they've cleared some of the trees around that to be safe but just on your own you're hiking through the woods and it's just through the woods so we take my truck down get our bags and stuff load them up on the kayaks and it was really windy the day that we got there so the water on the lake was seriously choppy. I mean, it was had some pretty serious waves, and the newer kayak that I had bought, that was designed a little more for such things, was okay. But my brother, <laughs> the the first kayak that he was on, really not equipped for that level of bucking waves, and of course we are packing out our hiking bags and our food and water and it was pretty sketchy on the way out to where we were going to camp and i'm reading this little paper map that i put in a ziploc bag because we're catching water and stuff and we really had to work to make sure that we were hitting the waves with the nose of our kayak Otherwise, if we would have got turned sideways, it would have been over in a hurry. So I'm making sure we're straight going into the waves and checking this map. And we're kind of following along the edge of the river to where I know our campsite is. And we're going on this for a while and it's pretty touch and go. And I'm hollering Atlanta. I'm like, I think it's up there on this kind of a peninsula that comes out. Like we're, I had got us a spot like on the tip of kind of a peninsula. I'm like, I think it's that. Like, okay, great. and We're hammered down and really focused and bucking the waves and we getting closer and they'll have a little sign that designates the number of the campsite. And as we got closer so I could see the number and I'm checking the map and I'm having to yell back at Landon, I'm like, that's this isn't it. This is not our campsite. In fact, as I look at these, the line on the map of where the water meets the land, I'm like, oh no, we are much, much farther out than this. Like, we have to go around this and keep going for quite some time. So, after that realization, we're focusing, we get out there. Anyway, we make the campsite, and it was gorgeous. It was wonderful. The weather was really nice and the wind is actually kind of helpful when you're in the deep woods like that because it keeps the bugs and things off of you. So it was actually great. It was still warm enough. It was just windy out on the water and choppy and we got up and it was kind of this rock face edge that we could stand on and then our campsite was right there and you're isolated away from everybody. So once we got everything unpacked, and then we were feeling really good and even took the kayaks back out because it was a lot better without our gear and everything packed on them. And we went island hopping. There's all these islands out on the lake there too. And that was wonderful. we out in the water. We're still bucking waves. But as you get more comfortable, that's kind of fun. And we would stop on these different islands and hike on them and explore. And like I said, it's no trails. You're just out in the woods. And it was a wonderful time. So, that night, we go to bed with the understanding that we're probably going to be waking up to rain, thunderstorms. Which is not ideal, especially since we're not staying in a genuine tent. I've got my little bivy tent, which is not going to fit more than me. Lana just has his bivy sack, but... That's the way it goes. Nothing we can do about it. We're going to get rained on. We'll have to just wait it out in the downpour whenever it comes. And then when it clears, we're only staying right there for one night. And then we're going to move on to some other adventures down the road. So we kind of start bedding down for the night with that understanding. And I was trying to be optimistic. I'm like, you know what? This is going to miss us. The storm is just going to passes by. We're going to wake up tomorrow morning. No rain. Be fine. So, almost kind of unbelievably, after we get to sleep and I remember waking up that morning and to just the faintest bit of sunlight, the sun just coming up and realizing that it's not raining and come out of my bivy tent and hey, This is fantastic. No rain. Actually, clear skies at the moment and the wind had died down so that the lake was calm. So like, well, this is great. Now, we don't have a weather radio out with us. We had our phones. Mine didn't really work. Landon's worked a little bit, but kind of had them powered down. We weren't checking a lot of stuff, which, again, probably should have been better prepared with that for the weather. But we think, this is great. We're going to be just fine. In fact, we got up, cleaned up our stuff, took time, made breakfast, and then, well, we're going to take off from this spot today, but let's go around to some of these other islands that we haven't hit yet. It'd be great. So we get loaded back up in our kayaks, get our gear on them, and we head back out in the water. and we decide, okay, let's go to this one far island we haven't gone to, and we're paddling along, and the water's pretty smooth, and things are good, and as we're doing this, I happen to look kind of behind us, and there is a serious wall of thunderstorms moving in, and it's Kind of where it's off in the distance, but like you can see the sheets of rain coming down and it's dark and there's lightning and the whole deal. And it's not a time you want to be on the water. And it hasn't reached us yet, but it is coming quickly. And we are already out on the water. So we make the decision that we need to abandon island hopping and we need to hammer down on the way back to where our truck is. So we are double timing it. We're going and this storm is rolling in quick behind us and it's bearing down and it's getting closer and closer and we are paddles down trying to get out of there and the only other people we saw camping the entire time is after we've left ours for a good long ways and I think it was actually on that first peninsula that I had seen that I thought was maybe our campsite was a guy there. And he looked to have a group of kids with him. They had a a bigger tent. And he was not real impressed with us being out on the water at that time, which makes sense. And he shouts out to us, and says, you realize there is a, I forget exactly how to put it, but you realize there's a storm warning in effect right now. And we were like, yeah, like we can see it behind us at this point. We are all on the same page, but we were already out in the middle of the water. So we were just trying to sprint back to... Back to home base before we get out of there. Back to the truck and get loaded up before everything popped off. And of course, we want to get off the water as quickly as possible before the lightning and everything reaches us. And we would have just gotten to shore or something if the lightning was right above us. But it's bearing down and it just keeps getting closer. So we're trying to get in, trying to get in. And it was like perfect timing. We get up onto a little dock there, pull our kayaks up. I get my truck, bring it down. We throw, like, at this point, it's starting to, the edge of the storm's getting to us. Rain's starting to sprinkle down. We're throwing the kayaks in the back of the truck, throwing our gear in the truck, and basically getting into the vehicles as the rain starts opening up. So that was an exciting time. Then we kind of looked at weather radar and our maps and kind of raced the rain and went to... Went and did some other things. But anyway, I know that's a bit of a long, rambling story. But that was a fun adventure that we had. It's a much more memorable story because everything didn't go exactly as planned. But I love doing those sorts of things. And that will be a part of this show as well. Talking about and doing... Different things like that. Having those experiences as part of a healthy lifestyle. So with that, I'm going to move on to another segment. And I do want to talk about Memorial Day briefly. I'm filming this on Memorial Day. And I'll release this hopefully during the week of Memorial Day. And it is an important time to really consider. I think any holiday, any time we recognize something, it's important to spend a little bit of time thinking about it and just learning about things. And we're going to talk about Memorial Day. I want to do a segment now and again as kind of a quote of the week or talking about something that I've read or saw that's inspirational to me. And it felt appropriate filming this on Memorial Day to examine that a little bit. So I first, I did a little looking around at some information about Memorial Day. And I think, where did I get this original? From history.com is where I went first and looked at sort of the history of Memorial Day. So we know Memorial Day is the last Monday in May. And it's a Day, a federal national holiday in the United States to honor all of those who have died in military service. And according to History.com, the exact origins of the holiday are a little unclear, but there's a lot of documentation of similar tributes that started popping up dedicated to fallen soldiers right after the American Civil War. And it was General John A. Logan who called for a National Day of Remembrance in May of 1868. And the day was originally known as Decoration Day. So Decoration Day became more prevalent and eventually morphed into what we know as Memorial Day, which was made an official federal holiday in 1971 so that's a little background about Memorial Day and I it is an important thing to consider and think about even the things like being able to do this show being able to go have and do silly adventures like being off kayaking is thanks to the freedoms that we have in this country and thanks to the people who have sacrificed so much to make that possible that's something that is on my mind a lot having taught for a number of years i have several former students who've gone into the armed service and i'm very I'm always very proud of them for that and very thankful for their service, and I'm thankful for the military recruiters who come to our school and provide structure and a a great option for a lot of our students and just for their service, for sacrificing so much for our country and for everyone who lives here. So for a quote of the day or a piece of literature of sorts, for this week, I thought of the Gettysburg Address, which is of course one of the most famous speeches of all time, and I'm sure I will not do it justice, but I wanted to, I like to look at the Gettysburg Address, it's something that we look at in class sometimes, but just as a piece of writing and the meaning behind it, I love the Gettysburg Address, so I did a little research on that as well. So I went to abrahamlincolnonline.org, and the Gettysburg Address was given on November 19th, 1863. I did not know there are apparently five known copies of the speech that were handwritten by President Lincoln. And the five known copies are each named... After the first person to receive that copy of the speech. The other interesting thing is the text of those speeches varies a little bit from edition to edition. It's believed that two copies were produced before the speech was given, and one of those copies was probably the one that Lincoln actually read. And the other copies, it's believed, were produced after the fact for soldier benefits in different events. I'm going to read one of the copies of the Gettysburg Address. And this is from the Bliss copy, which is named for Colonel Alexander Bliss. This is supposedly the most reproduced version And it's the only one that Lincoln actually signed and dated. But it seems that this is the last copy that he had written. But this is the version that is reproduced on the walls of the Lincoln Memorial in Washington. And it's the actual copy that's on display in the Lincoln Room of the White House. So it seemed like the version to use. So... I'm going to read the Gettysburg Address. I know this is a familiar speech, but I think really encapsulates my thoughts and feelings and the general message here on Memorial Day. So here we go, the Gettysburg Address. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, that that nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. But, in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hollow this ground. The brave men, living and dead, who struggled here have consecrated it far above our poor power to add or detract. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here. But it can never forget what they did here. It is for us the living rather to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus so far nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us, So there you go. I know I tripped up on a couple of words there, and that's actually kind of part of this show, too. I want it to seem kind of conversational, and it's realistic, too. Like, if I'm teaching in class, I get off on tangents and and wander around a bit. But what a, this is not news to anyone, but what a beautiful speech that is. I'm always so fascinated with it every time that I read it for a number of reasons. One is just the economical use of the language, just how succinct and how perfectly it's written. There's not there's not a lot of wasted words. There's not a lot of wasted space. It just focuses on the points, and it's funny that President Lincoln in the speech would talk about the things said on that day would not be remembered. And this has gone on to be remembered for the next 150 years and will continue to be remembered. And some of the actual things that he says in there early in the speech when he talks about our country dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal and i would like to think that you could you could say all people are created equal today and that's such a wonderful notion and i think it's so important to remember anytime we consider things with our democracy we have a we have an age right now where Things seem very divided where people put themselves into group and shout across aisles and politically things are divided and socially things are divided and things are far from perfect. I think that's an important message in the speech too that things aren't the way that they should be, that this is a grand experiment that is going to continue, but it has been founded In the proposition that all people are created equal. That's just, I think that's as good a thought as there is. So I love that that's the beginning of the speech. And later in the speech, taking out of a line where he says, That we highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain. What an important thing to consider on Memorial Day as well. That we want to remember those who gave the ultimate sacrifice and remember all of the families who have served and continue to serve in the armed forces for this ongoing experiment of our free and democratic society to continue to continue to grow and learn and move forward. And at a time where there appears to be a lot of division, and I know there's always been a lot of division. Maybe it's just more visible now, but where there seems to be palpable division in different areas of life, what a wonderful thing to remember that we can still, move forward and we can still get stronger and we can still get better and we can still improve in large part because of those freedoms that were afforded to us. So that's going to wrap up this segment. I do want to say a genuine thank you to anyone who has served, is serving in the armed forces to all the families of those people who also sacrifice so much. And the last thing we're going to do to close the show because I want to bring in some creative stuff is I'm going to do some drawing. I'm going to stop and reposition the camera so you can see me do a little drawing. That's just going to be, I'll, I'll, I'm will i going to figure out some of this video stuff and kind of just do a speeded up progression of what I'm drawing. I'm not even going to do the whole image right now, but over the course of shows, we'll do some different artistic creative projects that people will be able to see sort of come to life. And since we talked about it earlier during the blog post segment of the show, I'm going to do a grid drawing where I take an image and set up a grid just on my computer of one inch by one inch squares and then recreate that same grid larger on a piece of paper and i'll do i'll set up the grid and do the outline or maybe we'll start just a little bit of shading but i'm going to do a picture of my grandma to give to my mom my mom will sometimes subtly complain that I will do pieces of art and give them to other people and that I maybe don't always give stuff to her, which is fair. My mom is the best. I love my mom and I love my grandma. So this is kind of like uh, doing a picture and giving it to my mom of kind of the, it's the two most alpha moms that I have ever known, my grandma True and my own mom. And Uh, admittedly sometimes I maybe don't take the time to do artwork or things like that for my mom because it's sort of a if you give a mouse a cookie type situation but my mom's the best this is going to ruin the surprise she knows she's going to get this uh, picture now because she'll watch this she watches all the nonsense that my brothers and I do because she's a good mom but anyway that's going to be the end of the show so if you're listening to the audio You can probably turn it off after this because it's just going to be silence. It'll be the video part of me drawing as we sort of close out. It's sort of like on CBS Sunday morning where they just show the videos of nature to close the show. We're going to close the show with a little artwork. Anyway, I appreciate everybody joining me for this, the first episode of One with Luke Nielsen. We're going to try and do a bunch of different stuff. I know this rambled at times. That's sort of the way I talk and think. So sometimes it's going to be some of that. Sometimes we'll have some more structured segments and activities we're doing. And I hope to get some more interviews and things going soon. But in the meantime, thanks for joining me. You can feel free to reach out if you have any questions, comments, suggestions for guests or topics or segments at luke nielsen media at gmail you can send me an email or you can go to my website luke and you can go to the contact me through there as well but thank you much love and respect to everybody